Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. And my name is Luke Shankula, aka Longform Luke, and this is the Loans On Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents and put loan officers in the driver's seat. And today, man, I'm super excited. I've known this guy for a couple of years now, been in similar circles. I think he's in more marketing groups than I am, but he is a loan officer, I think. Sometimes I don't know quite sure what he does, but we have Jason DuPont and he said that he's the chief baller. So yeah, I'll let him introduce himself, but welcome to the show, man. I thought you said I was the chief baller. I'm I'm a little confused right now, Luke. (laughs) <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah, you are the chief baller. So, you know, been in similar circles for quite a few years. And so, you know, obviously wanted to have you on the show and kind of give some value to our people because I know yeah. that you're a big proponent in giving value to your agent partners, working hard, you know, helping people grow. So give us kind of some context on who you are, what got you into the industry, you know, and just kind of we'll fast forward up till this point. So we're going to go back in time or something. Yeah, let's do the obligatory who I am, where I'm from, all that good stuff. So uh-huh. I'll keep it a little bit high level today. So I started in this industry in 96, 97. It was an interesting time, a different time, right? So recently got married, found this straight commission opportunity, had training for about two weeks, didn't know what to do. There was not really an internet back then. I was just starting. So just started door knocking, just started going to South Phoenix and saying, hey, do you want to do a loan? Kind of worked my way up from there. I've worked for several companies and on the retail side, worked for things like AmeriQuest. And my background's always been in marketing. So as the internet grew, I developed a lead generation company. Mm-hmm. Uh, we grew rather big. We're doing eight figures a year and it was phenomenal. I had leftover leads. So I needed to open a mortgage company and we sold leads to banks and brokers across the United States. So with those leftover leads, we put those through our mortgage company had a brokerage from early 2000s till about 2008-ish when the crash happened. And from there, I retired. I was one of the lucky few. Not nice. really. I hated retirement, dude. It was the most <laughs> boring thing on earth. I got fat and uh, it's terrible. I will never retire again. I will I never imagine. retire again because here's the problem. I'll tell you the problem that I ran into. Money was never an issue. I had enough money. The problem is is that I lost my mojo. I lost that drive that woke me up every morning just to do things, to not just survive, but to thrive, to grow, to do all that. And so a little tangent on that, I went to donate blood and they wouldn't take my blood because my blood pressure was too high. Uh Went to the doctor and they wanted to put me on all these drugs, these satins and all this crap. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. So got into cycling, always had an athletic background, crushed it in that. And from there, just, uh, Got back into mortgage, helped a company grow, came over to Nexa, opened a branch here, then opened a second branch here. And now just trying to help everyone around me flourish. I think the biggest secret and the biggest driver for me is seeing others successful. Luke, it's literally my drug. It's my drug of choice. To take someone and help them and see them implement, put things in a place where they can create an amazing living, for me, it's very, very satisfying. So it took a while to get the mojo back, but once I got it back, it's never going away again. So. It's your high level intro, buddy. Love it. Love it, man. And so if you know who Jason is, if you're listening to this and don't know who he is, 
Jason is definitely a man of extremes. He works very hard. He plays very hard. You know, he cycles very hard. Uh, you know, he'll do some crazy long fasts, you know, crazy stuff like that. So, you know, he does do a lot of cool things that I think, I don't know, maybe that keeps you kind of feeling alive of kind of doing a lot of things, but I know you work a lot of hours and you do a lot of things. And so how do you sort of, uh, you know, I guess you talked about it, right? You keep your mojo because it's really kind of all about helping someone else succeed at the end of the day, right? Because like you mentioned, it's not just about the money. I do think that there's some merit to that because sometimes people yeah. get into this business to chase that money. And like, obviously you could do that. Same thing in marketing, right? Like we get into this, like to chase the money and then we realize it's kind of empty, right? Yeah. I had this goal when I got in the industry. I said, you know what? I wanted to be a millionaire before I got to 30. Sure. I don't even know where I got this goal. Just some arbitrary goal. Okay. Right. Hit that goal. Now what? Right. I didn't think beyond that. I thought right. basic level one, right? I didn't think anything beyond that. Now it's kind of like the money just comes. Money just comes. Sure. It's more about everything else. I do have a side story to tell you though. I do like doing crazy stuff, as you said. So I did a fast uh, about a year ago. I found out that Gandhi did a 21 day fast with just water, right? Crazy. No food, no calories, no coffee, nothing, right? Just water. You know, and so I did the same thing, water. And I threw a little electrolytes. And when I say electrolytes, I don't mean sugars or Gatorade in that garbage. I mean like a little bit of salt, a little bit of magnesium, salt, right? yeah. just to keep my uh, electrolytes up. Sure. And I had a hashtag that I loved. It was called Beat Gandhi. So I went 22 days just to beat Gandhi. I don't know why 17 would probably have been fine. 13 would have been great, but I had to beat Gandhi. You got to win, dude. And I think that's one thing that you do. That's why sometimes these are the extremes, right? Because you just said you retired. I mean, you didn't have to work, but now nope. you're over here working. I know you're working probably 10, 12 plus hours on a daily basis, maybe even more. I don't know what your crazy schedule are these days. And I think because you have that deeper purpose that it makes it, easier to put the grind in. And just a story from my side, like I spent probably 18 months over the last maybe two and a half years where I was just, I was burnt out. And part yeah. of what I did was I got into marketing. I was like, scale, 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 grow, grow, grow. Yep. But like, yeah. But then I brought on people and then I basically, so I went from being like a control freak to being like just, oh, let's just delegate everything away. And so I just kind of went this whole huge pendulum. And I realized that I actually really, really, really enjoyed coaching. And I really enjoyed getting in the weeds and doing these things. And like, I burnt out because again, it was an ego. It was a very much an ego play, right? Like you mentioned, you're like getting to a million. It's like, cool. Like, all right, let's grow a business to that. And then you hit that number. They're like, oh, well then just keep growing. Just keep growing. And it's like, yeah. well, what for? Like what for? And like, there was no purpose. And so I was like, finally kind of came out of that funk and started to realize like, you know, what I needed to do. And it just like, I've had so much more peace over the last six, eight months of just like, it's okay. Like, you know, it is what it is. Like, I don't have to tie my self-worth to success. I don't have to tie my self-worth yeah. and those things. Cause I, I think that's what we do. It's like, we do all these things. And I said, I'm doing this for my family and things like that. And then like my wife back in, I don't remember when it was, but sometime in 21 or 20, she said something like, well, you're not even around. Like, what do you mean you're doing this for us? And I was like, Oh, it was just a gut check to me. And it took some time after that, that for me to kind of come to the realization that like, it doesn't have to be about the outcome. And I think so many times we focus on an outcome when the truth is like, it's the journey, it's the process that yep. if you don't fall in love with that, it's never going to feel right. Like, you know, and so and I know people talk about that all the time and it's hard to sort of quantify without like going through the experience yourself. Right. Because people always say, Oh, fall in love with the process, fall in love with the process. It's like, that's BS. I just want the outcome. And then you realize you get to the outcome and you're like, well, that's not good enough. You need to get to the next outcome. Right. Yeah. So you got to change that mindset. I love that you've done that, man. Yeah. I had to shift from uh, 
destination based to journey based, right? Everything's about like the journey. That. Everything, right? And that's a lot of the mindset training that I do that I teach journey based. Enjoy the journey, embrace the journey. In cycling, we say embrace the suck, embrace yeah. the pain. You know, you're going to suffer out there sometimes. You're climbing a big hill. Gravity's a man, that thing's a biatch for everyone. So, yeah. So yeah. just embrace it, embrace it. It's fun to embrace. You know, you're heading the right direction if you're going uphill. Well, yeah, for sure. And that's the thing is like, you know, we always like, we wish for like those times that are easy and stuff like that. But then when you realize when we are in those easy times, like you talked about yeah. in your retirement, you're like, this isn't fun. I don't wish for that anymore. That's what's weird about me. I really don't. Yeah. I look forward to struggle and strife. It sounds crazy. And I'm very happy. I have a very joyful life. Sure. But everyone has stuff in their life. Everyone has good, bad, and ugly. It's like poker. We're all dealt a hand of cards. It's how you play that hand that you're dealt. You don't control what's given to you, but you do control how you play it. A hundred percent. And it's interesting because like I was talking to someone earlier today on another podcast episode. And like when I first got on the call, he's like, oh, how's it going? I'm like, dude, another day in paradise, man. We're blessed. We live in the US. You know, I grew up in Ecuador, right? So and I grew up in a third world country. And so what that gave me is perspective, the perspective that like I grew up poor poor yeah. in U S standards, but like in their standards, I was middle-class to rich, right? Like yeah. their true poor was like people living on a dollar a day and stuff like that. Right. Like they're literally living in a grass hut, like not quite, but like pretty close. Right. Like a yeah, mud yeah. hut, yeah, I guess yeah. it would be. It's a big shift in perspective. If like, we understand that, like just by being born here or living in this country, like you're already blessed and you're already yeah. basically top 1%. And that's the mindset. Yeah. I mean, we have running water. Let's go. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, our poor people have cell phones. Check this out. If you have a guy that has $50 million and lives in the 1950s, and you have a guy that's barely scraping by, the guy today that's barely scraping by has, I'm going to use the word easier. You can use whatever word you want. Much different life than that guy with $50 million back in the 50s. Because look at technology. You have basically a cyborg. You have information at your fingertips at all times. Right. Right. You have a full-time butler. You have full-time concierge. You have full-time everything at your disposal. I mean, I see people that are super struggling ordering delivery from McDonald's, right? Right. Just think about that for a second. It's insane. It's yep. insane with the opportunity that's here nowadays. Right. And I think that's the thing that I think people forget is like, I mean, even for myself, I mean, I started a business that like probably 10 years ago, maybe let's say 20 years ago, wouldn't have ever existed. Right. Like yeah. this wouldn't even exist. I wouldn't have this opportunity, man. Maybe it would have been direct mail or something like that, but I wouldn't have the opportunity without, you know, Facebook and Instagram. Like, yeah. you know, it could have been something different. Who knows? But like, I'm sure it was much harder and a higher barrier to entry to get into a direct mail or like, you know, some other sort of advertising oh, yeah. agency, Oh um, yeah. you know, and it's like nowadays we can literally start a business with like zero money and a cell phone. And that's it. Like really a cell phone. I mean, you don't even really need a laptop. Sure. It would be easier, but I mean, a yeah. cell phone pretty much oh. is a laptop. Yeah. I hear you, man. I hear so you. you're doing some awesome things. I know that we could talk about that all day. Mindset is one of my most favorite topics. Right. And the reason I kind of got into what I'm doing is I worked for a mortgage lender and there was a point in time and I was an account executive where they laid off like a bunch of our operations staff, right? Okay. Which is kind of what's going on these days, right? So we went from 24 to 48 hour turn times to like five, six day turn times. Our pricing was off by like sometimes a quarter to a half versus a lot of our competitors. Like, and I was one of the top performers as an account executive. I was either number one or number two almost every month. And I just got so miserable and I started drinking and I was like, just started blaming everybody. Right. And what's yeah. funny is that sometime along that journey, I decided that I wanted to start listening to podcasts, which is, you know, kind of funny that it's come full circle. Now I have my own podcast, but I actually listened yeah, to bad. entrepreneur on fire back then. And 
it kind of shifted my perspective on things. And so I love mindset. So I could talk about that forever. I don't know why I wanted that story, but really just to say that really mindset changed my life. That's what I was going for. Mindset yeah. changed everything about the way I perceived life and challenges. And so many times we view challenges as that sucks, but really most of the time those challenges are the biggest opportunities for growth. And I'm sure. You oh, can for sure. That. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big believer in, I like to use three words and it's grind, grit, and gratitude. Right. So we have to have the grind, right. In right. order to get through that, you have grit, but if you don't have gratitude along the way, you're not going to be able to make it. I find that when people are willing to look at themselves and they're feeling down or they have this thing happen and they really start counting their blessings, it can change their whole perspective. Right. So you got to have that along the way, but if you don't have the grind and the grit, I mean, you're not going to get to where you want to be. Let's put it that way. Sure. Sure. Have you ever thought of gravity, how gravity works? No. What do you mean? So gravity pulls, right? Sure. So let's get a little bit nerdy for a second. So do it. think of it this way. Think of it like a giant blanket. Okay. So there's a blanket right here and I have a ball mm -hmm. that I put here. That ball is going to put a dip in that blanket, right? Mm -hmm. So if I put a marble over here, it's going to roll towards that ball, right? That's gravity, sure. right? If I put a bigger ball over here and I put a marble in the center, it's going to roll towards what has more gravity. Sure. Right. So I'm a big believer that as we talk about mindset, as we talk about those things, I'm a big believer in a couple of things I just want to throw out there for you. One, people do business with people they like. Love it. You can add in things like know and trust and all these other things. But at the end of the day, people have a much easier time doing business with people they like. And we can do this later too. But one thing that I'd love to talk to you about because you're into mindset so much is how gravity can affect that, how pulling others towards us can make such a big difference and how that's even possible. But you have to do it in the right way. You have to do it from a place of love, a place of kindness, and a place of really wanting to help them. So let's talk about that because I mean, I was really going to just talk about like, you know, so what are some of the strategies that you're doing, right? I mean, obviously the whole premise of the show is how to kind of flip the status quo, but you know, at the end yeah. of the day, it's really around helping loan officers go out, get more business, grow, you know, and figure out new ways that they can attract people. So this is a great way to kind of go about it because I think so many times on this show, and we'll get into some tactics later on, but so many times we do talk about some like the higher level, you know, strategies, but like part of it comes down to like, we talk about tactics, but yeah. part of it comes down to like, actually like why you're doing things makes you have that staying power of like, here's why you're going to be consistent with this because you have the why behind it. So let's talk about what we were just bringing up. There's a lot of different ways you can go with that. But for me, it deals with anything that we're dealing with, whether you're a loan officer doing a loan, whether you're a loan officer dealing with a realtor, if we're going to talk about loan officers, you know, a person that always has their hair on fire, realtor, you know, that's the definition. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, if you're going to do those things, for me, it's a very similar thing. In today's age, it's got to be relationship first. Sure. Nobody wants to be sold to anymore. You think about if you were to go do a survey of all of Gen Z, some millennials throw in there, no one wants to go to a car lot to buy a car anymore. They just don't. They don't want to be sold. No one wants to be right. sold, right? And so you got to think about it that way is that what they really want is they want education. They want to feel good and they want ease. You know, right, Amazon, right. Uber, all these things are ease. They don't, they don't want it to be hard. Rocket mortgage, right? I mean, e at least they're marketing. And here's the thing, at least they're marketing, right? That's another side of it is that's their gravity. It doesn't matter how fast or not fast they are. None of us can dispute that. You and I could go there and have very different experiences. We could have the same sure. credit score, the same income, and have different experiences, right? But it doesn't matter because the marketing is going to pull us in because it's so on point. That's their gravity. Yep. They're pulling us to them. Right. We both think that they're fast. It's insane to think about, right? But yeah. it's not much different when a loan officer is on the loan with a realtor or a client. 
if we're taking the time to build that relationship and if we do it from the right place, we can have that customer for life. Sure. We can have that realtor for life. I'll give you a quick example. So when I came over to Nexa, one of the things that Mike Cordes talked me into with my situation, it's very individualized. And he knew I wanted to grow a big branch. He knew I wanted to do these different things is he talked me into going non-producing. Okay. So I'd produce loans forever. And sure. I was like, man, this is gonna be hard. So I have to put all my loans in other people's names and my loan officer's names. Right. So even though I've been doing this forever, I have a huge circle of influence and all the loans come in through me. I have no 1003s in my name. Right. But I do get in the weeds sometimes because I enjoy it. And mm -hmm. there was an opportunity recently in one of our branches where a guy lost a loan to a competitor, right? So what does that mean if somebody loses a loan to a competitor? Well, to me, it means they got outsold, Yep. right? The relationship wasn't set properly or expectations weren't set properly or something they didn't like, which either they understand or don't understand. It doesn't really matter. They were outsold, right? And this lady was getting a worse deal from the competitor. Sure. So not only was my loan officer outsold, but the client was getting a worse deal. Sure. In long story short, I was able to go back and talk to her and bring her back and kind of go through that. But it was a relationship thing. And during that thing, you know, there's a lot of philosophies out there. I'm going to jump around a little bit. So keep your audience. I'm going to jump around a little bit. But here's the thing. I've heard people say, well, only ask for referrals when you're giving good news. Why? Why only ask for referrals when you're giving good news? I told this lady that her deal with us was going to be worse than when she initially came to us. Your rate's going from 799 to 9.25 on this weird DSCR loan, which is an investor loan, right? Sure. But it's still way better than what you were getting over there. And during that, I said, guess what? When I help you close this loan, the way that you want it, the way you've told me to, I want you to give me every referral for life during bad news, right? That's straightforward. I said the words for life. That's what I want. I have to set my expectations. Sure. I have to set what I want so I can pull that gravity, right? Long story short, we closed the loan. She's super happy, blah, blah, blah. She's called me in various times to thank me, thank me, thank me. But along the way, it's not a matter of me saving the loan or any of that. What I'm trying to get across is that relationship is the most important thing. And I think that many sales gurus and many people would disagree with me on that. I'm fine with that. But I believe that relationship is number one going into the future. So here's where I'm going to not argue per se. Please argue. Um, I love arguing. But it's not really an argument. I agree to a certain extent. I think yeah. when you say people don't like to be sold, it's because traditionally we talk about sales in like this used car salesman sort of way, right? Whereas yep. my definition of sales is, hey, guess what? We're talking to someone who has a problem. We're identifying yep. the problem. We're seeing if we can help them. And if they do have a problem that we can help with, we're going to persuasively convince them to use us because if we truly believe that what we do is the best for that person, then we well, should Well, how can I argue with that, dude? Them. That's your definition. That's, I, like, that's a beautiful definition. But I don't think that most people, if you said, do you like to be sold, would say, yes. I don't think they well, would yeah, of use course, that definition. Of course not. And I agree. If you say to them, hey, you're going to come to me with a problem and I'm going to listen and I'm going to identify. I'm going to peel back all the layers and understand where you're really coming from. And then I'm going to come up with the best solution you've ever heard. Who's going to say no to that? Right. You're selling me right now. You're selling me. Well, and that's why I'm arguing a little bit because again, like to me, I get like what you're saying because of the sort of negative stigma that sales has, you know, traditionally yes. it has been that like, you know, hard closing, yada, yada, yada. But like the truth is like true sales is really just understanding the problem and solving that problem. And if you can't solve that problem, you fucking okay. pass it on to someone All right. else. 
no one likes I believe to be it is. boiler room hard closed. And I agree. You win. And the reason I fight that is because, and again, it's not a fight, but the reason I bring that up is because, again, like so many times I hear loan officers say, oh, I'm an advisor. And I relate, like, you can build a relationship, but like you have to have a good discovery. Like, you have to actually understand their problems. And yes. when you understand their problems, you're going to build that trust. You're going to do those things that are building those relationships. But again, it also has to be done intentionally. You actually have to care. Right? Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. You actually have to care? Seems like yes, a little relationship yes. thing right there. Oh, no, agree. And that's why I'm kind of basically, <laughs> it's, you, it's not, it's not this or you. that. I love I what you're like, saying because I won't fight you on it. I agree with everything you're saying. Yeah. I do. Yeah, I, I think it's awesome. The guy that's there just to make a paycheck that client's going to have a very different experience from that guy where the guy is truly trying to do customer service. But I guess where I want to go with that is you mentioned identifying the problem, right? Or identifying sure. what they're really going through. I think one of the things, and I hope your listeners really get this because it's important in our lives. I see over and over and over where someone is really good at solving problems, but where a weakness can be is they hear the problem, but they don't identify the real problem because sure. In today's society, politeness is super overvalued. And I don't value politeness, just so you know. And I'm not saying I'm right or wrong. Clearly. I'm just trying to paint. <laughs> right, right, right. But politeness is overvalued. I think that because of politeness is overvalued, that people in general, especially as we get younger, people in general don't give up easily their real objection because they want to be sure. polite. They don't want to offend. Yep. Yep. Right. So I think that's one thing's cool. And I call it peeling back the layers of the onion. And I think we'll totally agree with us is that oh, yeah. you really want to make sure that you're identifying the real problem, which means keep peeling, keep probing, keep understanding, and then solve that. Yes. yeah, I think that's key. A hundred percent. Yeah. Asking the right questions. And so we train on a, on a sort of a subject, not subject, but like a basically goals and motivations, right? Most of the time, salespeople, let me talk about yeah. peeling the onion. Most people stay on the surface level, right? Surface level. Yes. Like, oh, I want to go into, I want to buy a home in a new school district. Right. Yeah. But it's like, okay, so like, but why do they want to do that? And so like so many yes. times we're like, oh, okay, cool. What sort of a house do you want? How many rooms do you want? Instead yeah. of asking the question, like, well, like, what is so significant about you, you know, buying a home in a new school district? And then guess what yeah. they're gonna say, right? They're gonna tell you why they're trying to achieve that goal. And yeah. then it's like, oh, well, this is a powerful emotional trigger that we can leverage. Again, this is all ethical, ethically done, right? You know, and that's what's hard about this is that really at the end of the day. Sales is a form of manipulation. And I know manipulation sounds bad, but really, truly it is. And these skill sets are a little bit scary if in the wrong people's hands. Why we have I agree this with that. negative Use the powers for good. Yes. Right. Yeah. And if it's not the best fit for them, then you know, tell them what they need to do. Or maybe you have to refer yeah, them. Yeah. Maybe the last the thing you want to do is get them the trusting you. Don't get them trusting yes. you and then put them in a bad product. Right that's where it becomes a problem, right? And be willing to be humble and be wrong sometimes. Sure. Because the thing is, and there's an evolution of learning and hopefully you're failing a lot. You're enjoying failing a lot. You embrace it, embrace pain, embrace the suck, like we say in cycling, and you learn from those failures. Sure. You never fail, right? You win or you lose. Well, unless you give up. You win or you unless learn. You give up, right? Well, if you give up, that's a whole other story. Then you don't have that grind, grit, or gratitude. Yeah, I know for sure. And again, the reason why I was kind of, you know, not challenging you, but again, I just come back Challenge to this me. idea that like, no, 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 I'm not going back to this idea that like sales has this negative stigma, but that's because I personally believe it's been done the wrong way for a long time. I agree. Right? And so I think your definition, yeah. I think they should redefine it and have everyone understand that definition and the world would be at a better place. I agree. And I think, you know, in general, loan officers 
don't do this, right? Like they're like, oh, I'm going to educate or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. And they talk about these things. They're like, yes, education is key. Understanding their problems and what they actually want is even more important, right? And so many times, like we even had a guy on a podcast that said that a real estate agent reached out to him and said, hey, like you sound like you have great stuff. I've heard good things about you. Would love to have coffee, lunch, whatever it was. I don't remember what it was. And he goes to her and he's like, oh, we can close in 14 days and we can do this and we can do that. And the lady was like, oh, that sounds stressful. I don't want to close in 14 days. I just want to make sure that my loan's closed on time, right? Yeah. And so again, right. like that's where it takes like actually caring and actually listening to people. That's going to have that same context in the terms of even referrals. Like so many people in this industry are transactional. Yeah. Someone comes to them, I'm ready to buy. Okay, well, I need your application next. Cool. Not like, why are you trying to buy? What does that yep. mean? What is the goals? Like, that's what I mean by relationship. If you sure. want to help define what I was saying, is yeah. that do those extra steps, get to know your yeah. client. Yeah. It's funny because I was actually, I'm probably still going to do this, but I was going to actually post on Facebook and social media that like the online application is the worst thing that has ever happened to the mortgage industry. Okay. <laughs> in terms in of it. I'm with you. I'll respond. I agree. Because in terms of uh, like everything, like that's probably the most important conversation that you can have is the I conversation agree. that comes down to taking their information for an application. And then what we've basically done is we've gotten lazy and we just email someone an application and say, go fill this out. I'm going to yeah. send you some 30 year fixed options yeah. <laughs> without understanding their problems. Like how does yeah. that make you different from anybody else? So anyway, yeah. maybe I'm on my, uh, what's it called? My soapbox over here. Sorry. I think it's good. I think it's good. And yeah. I agree with you. Plus you, if you want a little tangent on that is, Usually it's not filled out right anyway. So why not just, right. just do it over the phone and then it's in the order you want. You can, I want to use the word manipulate, but I don't mean that in a bad way, but just do things in a way that, let me tell you where I'm going with that. I'm a big believer in game theory. Sure. I love game theory. And I'll define the game theory for you. Is game theory is putting yourself or what you're doing in a position for the most desired outcome. Sure. Right? So if your most desired outcome is to close this loan, then the actions you should take should be, the best, the most efficient, the strongest probability of helping that loan close. Well, think about it. Is an online application better for that or a physical application where you're asking questions and building relationships? All day, it is. So are you trying to do more loans and you're losing a bunch of loans because you're being inefficient? Or would you actually have more referrals and less stress because you're taking more time with each client? These are just little things that I love is just putting this stuff into practice. It makes all the difference. It, it doesn't matter if it's realtors or any other type of referral partner or clients. Well, and to hit on that point, I mean, just like when you're uploading a file for underwriting, you don't add extra crap in there that may or may not flag the underwriter to start asking for more <laughs> conditions, right? So like, you know, right. same thing in, Streamline in that terms, like stack the odds in your favor. Tell the yeah. story that you want them to see. Exactly, right? exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and and do that with everything. That. Do that with everything. your entire business. Why not even your relationships, right? To me, my relationship with my wife and my kids is not much different than my work relationships in the way I interact, meaning my desire is to connect, have a great journey, and to grow together and understand, to acknowledge. Mm -hmm. How is that different, right? I mean, you know, at the end of the day, everything we do is technically sales. And yeah. we're either selling someone else on something or they're selling us on something, right? Even going to dinner is like, you know, all right, like who's going to be the one that's most persuasive on where we should go to dinner, right? Did I trick my wife into marrying me or did I sell her into it? I don't know. You might've tricked her. I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I haven't met your wife yet. So. I don't know. She calls herself a pre-gold digger. I don't know what that means, but yeah, you can have fun with well, that. Well, hey, she's been with you since the old days when you were poor and now you're rich. That's oh, like yeah. what she's That's, saying. So. That is what she's saying. Yeah. 26 years this year. So it'll be good. Oh man, congrats. Congrats. Bro. 26 years. 10, yeah. 10 years. So yeah. 
So still a couple years to go. Okay, I got something for you. You ready for this? Do it. Shoot it. So we talked about relationships. So this could be for someone that's dating. It can be for a stronger relationship for that. It can be in business. It can be a realtor partner. It can be a client. But check this out. This happens to everyone. If it doesn't happen to you, you're not even in business. But there's all these companies that have reports, right? And you'll see reports like, how many calls did you make? How many connections did you have? How many apps did you take? How many prequels do you have out? All these different things, depending on if you're a solo loan officer or you're working for a big company or anywhere in between. But you don't need any of that. You don't need any of that to determine how you're connecting with your clients. And it's super simple. It's overly simple. The question that you have to ask yourself, and this is a self-reflection as you're trying to grow, is are my clients that I'm trying to get hold of, are my realtors that I'm working with, do they answer the phone when I call them? It's really this simple. So check this out, okay? And I'm not talking about one-offs. I'm not talking about the weird things that happen with people, but I'm talking consistently. If you were to call them for a couple of weeks. If I call someone, I was at UWM and I was helping one of the AEs out there and he was having a problem mm -hmm. with one of the loan officers with licensing. So I call this guy. I haven't talked to this guy in eight months. He answers the phone. What does that mean? He values my call, right? I had to call another person that I brought over to Nexa and she didn't answer. So I double called because I'm a big believer in being assertive. She didn't answer again. I went and talked to another person over there. Seven minutes later, she texted me back. She said, hey, Jason, I'm on the line with a client. I wanted to call you back, right? That tells me something there. If I call a realtor and they're ghosting me, why are they ghosting me? They don't like me. They don't like something I did. I didn't set proper expectations. People do business with people they like. Something happened. They don't trust me. All mm -hmm. those things. If I call a client, I guarantee every single person that has done any type of sales has clients that ghost them. Why are they ghosting 100%. you? Right? You know that there's a problem if they're ghosting you. Something happened, right? So now it's working it backwards. What happened? If you're sure. dating someone and they start ghosting you, they start being unresponsive. All these things are connection things. All these things are litmus tests for us. And so we can reflect on that and learn. We fail, right? We can say, what can I do different? How can I set a stronger expectation? I want, when I call this person, that I'm important enough to them that they'll answer the call, right? That's a whole other side of sales, by the way. Your definition yeah. of sales, not the yeah. one I was using, right? <laughs> it's a yeah. positive thing that you can use. You can use these wicked powers I don't mean wicked in a negative way. I mean these awesome powers for good. Sure. You can use these techniques to really build strong relationships if you truly care about the people. Right. If they can feel the love that you have. And this is where I get on my relationship soapbox is that it's powerful. You know that if you're working with clients and they don't ghost you, I'll give you another example. Let's say that they want to go somewhere else. You're working on a loan and they want to go somewhere else for whatever reason. If they call you and say, you know what? man, I didn't like what you had to offer. I shopped it. Or this guy called me out of the blue. You know, you put me on this list. I've got trigger leads and 59 people calling me today, whatever it is. And this other company's hit me up. I just wanted to let you know, how strong of a connection did you build with that client? Sure. If they're calling you up, telling you that versus, you know, a better LE because whoever gives the last LE wins, which I hate sure. that, but it's true. Well, and you never hear from again. You didn't build the relationship. I'm sorry. You did an online app. You did something thing and they're gone. Yep. So I love this topic and I'd love to give you your input on it, actually, because I think that we're not thinking on this next level. We're just thinking sure. about our next deal or what happened, but we're not taking the time to reflect and say, how can I improve in this area? Because you will get more deals from realtors and you'll retain and grow more clients and your clients will refer more people just by connection. So what are your thoughts on that? 
I think there's like two different ways that you can define it, right? And one of the ways that we do this with even our sales team is we have two metrics. We have an end of day reports, which okay. is qualitative. And then we have reports that are quantitative, which is tracking numbers. And yep. the concept that I learned in this regard was like, why do we do both things? And we do both things because the quantitative, the numbers, you need so many more numbers to get you statistical significant data. Yep. Now, qualitative, which is basically what we're talking here, is we're diagnosing the energy, we're diagnosing the conversation you had, what could have gone wrong. Those are the things that we're looking for in those scenarios, right? And especially when it comes to sales, I mean, sales is a transference of energy at the end of the day, right? Like, it's basically like, I believe in this product, so you should, you know, buy the product that I'm selling you, right? In your case, loans, in my case, you know, marketing program, right? And so by looking at these sort of more micro, like what a days of calls look like, it's like, okay, you can see based off of like their responses and how detailed they went and things like that, you can start to determine like, okay, well, what is it that they did wrong in this scenario from just like a quick yep. synopsis? And like, you know, how are they feeling with their energy? Are they doing their morning routine? Is their energy feeling good? And so like looking at those metrics so that you can see quicker if they're going to go through a slump or if they're in a slump versus having to look at, you know, a month's worth of data to determine, okay, well, based off of this report, you know, it looks like this person's in a slump. Why? You don't know why. You just kind of see that they're in a slump and you need, you know, months worth of data, two months worth of data, stuff like that. Right. And one of my mentors always talks about this concept of little hinges swing big doors, right? Yeah. It's typically yeah. the little things that make all of the difference when it comes to sales, like a one or two or 3% lift in a certain part of the process. Like, let's just talk about it from a leads perspective. Like if you get, you know, $2 less cost per lead and your show rate to your appointments is, you know, 5% higher and your close rate is 3% higher. That's not just like a little tiny incremental change. That's a massive oh, increase in, in profit or huge. revenue. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, these are little tiny things that are going to make a massive difference. And so many times, I mean, there's one thing like we review calls all the time, our sales calls. I've talked to yeah. loan officers that have never reviewed a single one of their calls. <laughs> How do you get better? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if I was following the same track of mine. It kind of felt like I was, but maybe I was way off topic. But uh, hey, you know, it's still a good topic. <laughs> no, it's a great topic. And I think the thing is, is improvement is key in any business. Right? Sure. And so if you have people that work with you or for you, helping them get to that next level is important. But teaching them that they can kind of do some of this stuff themselves in addition to all the reporting is huge. Mm -hmm. Let me take you on a quick tangent. I didn't grow up in a family with a lot of love. Without going into detail, I didn't like the way I grew up, right? And so when I decided to be a father, I had five kids. I wanted to be different. I wanted to take everything I learned from, and I kind of had a mantra of do the opposite of the way I did, and I'll be a very successful dad. Sure. And, you know, most kids that I see, they don't have good relationships with their parents at a certain age or different things. They kind of rebel and do different things. And by the way, I'm a big proponent of letting my kids rebel, especially when they're young, like, they want to sure. wear different color clothes, wear whatever you want. Like, let them have their right. other little rebellions. But here's where I'm going with this. As my kids became teenagers or even young adults, you know, they're in their 20s. I've always had a really good relationship with them. I have a 17-year-old boy that just wants to hang with his dad, right? Wants to hang with his friends too. But I'm just saying it's something that I count as a huge blessing in my life. Where I'm going with that and why I'm saying this is because it's relationship. It's understanding what they are and allowing them to be their best selves right? Sure. It's promoting that. Well, again, super high level, we can carry that over into our professional relationships. Why can't I do the same thing with a realtor partner, right? Why can't I be their coach and their partner versus just somebody that they feel kind of a crazy F word 
that they feel that they're just dumping leads to. Oh, I just dump business sure. to you. Why can't I take it to the next level and have them excited when I call them? Not sure. like, oh, Jason's calling. He's probably gonna ask me for a lead again. Right, right, right. No, yeah. and I love that. I love that. And I know we've talked, you know, quite a bit of like sort of high level. So let's take it kind of to like a tactical level. Like what could someone do? Like if you were going to start over today, like what would you go out there and do today to go out and get more business? Obviously you talk about relationships. How would you build more relationships? Like what would you do, you know, in today's market? How much money am I starting with? <laughs> I mean, let's pretend like you're a brand new loan officer. Like, I mean, I'm just okay. So I'm brand new. I'm struggling. Like, I really don't have much. Right. Yeah. Right. So I definitely would be using all the social. Right. So I'd be doing TikTok and Instagram and YouTube and all the shorts and Facebook and all the organic stuff. And because I don't have a lot of money, I'd be working a lot of hours. Sure. And I would learn to embrace that, that that's what it's going to take. And as I started closing loans, I would trade time for money, right? So I'd take a little bit more time and start money. So obviously, as I gain money, I'd get into things like online advertising, different things, you know, different lead types. Sure. Along the way, I would leverage myself in the beginning and then expanded out to probably VAs and other things of setting up appointments for me to talk to realtors. I would want to talk to as many referral partners as possible. And I would not limit it to realtors. I'd use CPAs. I'd use everything that I could possibly think of that could refer me a lead. If I was brand new and I just got out of some sort of training to kind of just really doubt and if if people want an action plan, if you're brand new, what I would do is I'd make a list of a hundred people that I have some sort of connection with family, friends, friends of friends, friends of friends of friends, something. I would try to get my very hardest to think of all 100. Now, again, I want to be successful. And Luke's talking about this. I'm kind of a little crazy. I'm all or nothing. So that's not for everyone. And I don't expect it from everyone. But you got to have something that you talk yourself into doing this because no one's going to do it for you. You have to learn how to do this. So with that 100, I'm not going to just like send them a text message. Hey, I'm in the mortgage industry. I'm going to call them. I'm going to try to build a relationship with each one. And I'm going to tell them what I'm doing. I'm going to tell them I'm excited. I'm going to say, I need you to send me my first person because I'm starving here. I need your help. But that would be all 100. And I would follow up with them in some sort of drip on top of that. I'd probably put them in a weekly newsletter email drip that I do. I may even do a lot more often than that, depending on how much time I have. But I would start with that 100 core. And I'd really focus on them and make them my base. And it could be a teacher that I had my last year of high school because. I don't have a hundred, right? Because I believe that everyone, if you really, really worked at it, can get up to a hundred. I do believe that. Now, people might call me out and say, no, you're wrong. Let's have a one-on-one talk and really see, because I bet you I could help you get to a hundred people, right? And so I'd really focus on that. And I would get loans from that. I would get loans from that 100 because somebody somewhere is going to be buying, even in this tough market, right? Right. You got to think of how long I've been doing this. I've been through several, several refi booms. This is the time to take market share. People don't realize this, is that people are getting out of the industry right now. You have to be different. You have to be you. What do you bring to the table? Have you thought about your personality type? And you know they say, ready, fire, aim, or ready, aim, fire. Are you more of an aim guy or more of a fire guy? Just fire, Which man. side are you on? Just yeah. go, man. I just go ready, fire, aim. That's actually one of the mantras that I talk about all the time, even with our team. It's like, it doesn't have to be perfect. Perfect is the enemy of done. Yes. So I think that if, because I find that most people I interview are a little bit more on the aim side and guys, I'm talking overall, like in certain situations, you might be super methodical, but be fire the rest of the time. I'm talking like an overall, it's going to be easier for you if you're more on the fire side. I'm just going to say that right now. Yep. But if you are more on the aim side and you still want to be ultra successful, you've got to get over that. You've got to say, you know what? 
I'm not going to be a super planner. I'm not going to be an overthinker. I'm not going to find ways not to do this. I'm just going to do it and fail and learn. I'm just going to go make a million mistakes. I've done a lot of different marketing campaigns. I can't tell you how many times I've sent a mass text out or a mass email out and I had some weird characters in there because I didn't put in like the contact name in right. So it says, hey, contact right. name, right? Right, right. Do I care? I don't even care. I care zero. People think, oh, oh, I did this wrong. My life's over. No, I don't care. I might let it go. I might do a follow-up email. <laughs> I was an idiot. Fat thing of this. Here's a new one. You know, whatever. Right. I, I, a lot of your ways. So when we're talking about this, be willing to be fire. And if you're not willing to be fully fire, that's fine. But pull it back so that you focus a little bit more on fire. Save the aim for something else. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. a big two cents that I think everyone can learn from. Save the aim for uh, making sure you structure a file correctly or something. Right? Yeah. Versus, yeah. Versus make sure you don't over document it. Use your aim right. to not over document. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's funny. No, but it's funny that you talk about that because like, I don't know if you know Alex Hormozzi, and I bring this up all the time because I listened to this episode that he talked about this sort of concept of like, sometimes we think like, you know, you talk about 100 people, like, it's like, sometimes we think we need to 2x our efforts. And in 2022, like, it might have to be more. And so he talks about how he sent out like when he first started doing, you know, his gym, he opened a gym. And he's like, he talked to this guy that was doing gym stuff. And he's like, how are you growing your businesses? I'm sending out flyers. She's like, cool. So he goes to send out flyers. He sends out, I think he sends like 500 out. He goes back to the guy and the guy's like, well, how did it go? And the guy was like, oh, well. And Alex was like, yeah. So, you know, I got one person calling me back. So they're going to sue me for dinging their car. But otherwise I didn't get anything. And the guy's like, well, how big was your test size? Alex was like, what are you talking about? And the guy's like, well, I never do anything less than a thousand sends for my first test size. He's like, you have a test? Like, I think I only sent 500. He's like, oh no, I sent 50,000 a month. Yep. That whole concept was like, you might think you need to one, two, three X your efforts. You may have to 40, 50, 500 X your efforts to yep. get the results you want. Right. And so I think that's kind of where you come from is like, you have to put in the grind and especially yeah. when you're first getting started, like, and this is something I tell people all the time, like, and as a marketer who generates leads for people, I typically say the first year, don't buy leads. Yeah. Go learn how to be a good loan officer first. Unfortunately, do the hard things. You have to cold call. You're going to yeah. have to cold call some real estate agents. You can always door gonna, knock. <laughs> you can door knock. Yeah. Or, or you can use social media. I mean, this social yep. media makes it so social easy for, for you to cold call without having a cold call because you can literally yeah. engage with people online and then call and say, Hey man, like, you know, I've been following your stuff. It's been awesome. You know? So I just wanted to chat and see if we could, you know, connect and have some coffee or something. How much yep. easier is that than like just straight up calling? Hey, uh, I have good rates. You want to have coffee with me? Um, yeah, so, you know, garbage. it just makes it so much easier. So yeah, man, any sort of final parting words for anybody who's listening of kind of wisdom what do you think of the word discipline i like it yeah tell me about it yeah well what does I mean, it mean you know, to you? one of my favorite discipline equals freedom right? i think that's jocko willink talks about yeah. discipline equals freedom so i do think that you know we believe that freedom means doing whatever we want but discipline actually allows us to do whatever we want outside of yeah. those times that we're disciplined yeah i like it i like it what if i told you discipline is bs all right well sounds good <laughs> <laughs> what, what if i told you that? discipline is entry level to mediocrity all right so just hang with yeah. me for a second on this just hang I'm with here, me I'm just here. hang with me for a I'm second here. so you know discipline this is another semantic thing on definitions right sure but i think so often we think you know what i'm disciplined I, I got up and went to the gym and i did it right okay here's the thing and this is for anyone out there that wants to be ultra successful first of all this industry is one of the rare industries that without education you can make high six figures to low seven figures. There's sure. not very many industries that you can do that out there. There's really not. And you still yeah. can do this here. 
Okay. Those that get to those levels are not just walking into it. Right. So discipline is a cool word, right? Discipline's a word of, you know, I go and do this and it becomes automatic, right? I do it no matter how I feel, right? I, sure. I overcome, I'm tired, so I'm going to be disciplined and still go, right? But what if I told you to really get to the next level? It's much further than that. Do you think that any all-star, any high-level athlete is disciplined? No, that's just entry level, like sure. low, low thinking. Think about this. Think about these words passion right think about where it encompasses you think about where this is something that you're making yours this is you this is your essence right if you really are starting and you're disciplined because you get up and you do your mailers and your social media that's great right welcome to being mediocre right right but if you really want to do it if you really want to do it get to that next level get to where that's your life put other parts on your life on hold temporarily so that you can get up and get to the next level. Don't just be disciplined, right? You know, we hear about discipline as this great thing and I get it. I get where everyone's coming from on that, but there's so much more when you want to be exceptional. Sure. There's so yeah, much more. Sense. So, so, so sense. final thoughts. Yeah. And people sometimes have a hard time hearing this. Sometimes it's like, wait a second, what the heck is this guy saying? Like, what is he really saying here? But you know, if you want to talk mindset, where's passion? Where's the passion? Right. Where's when you want it so bad? And to back up a little bit, motivation is, that's fine, right? People come out of a motivational speech, they feel good, right. and then they go back to who they were, right? So that's, you know, basic. Then discipline, right? You're past motivation, you're self-motivating yourself, and you're disciplined, you're doing it over and over and over. But where do you go after that? Again, and the reason I bring this up is because of what happened to me is that I can't be dependent on a destination. I can't be dependent on a destination if I'm disciplined. I have to sure. be along this journey of like, you know what? Let's go. Let's make this happen. And so I just wanted to share that with you because you're an entrepreneur, right? You just can't go through the motions every day or you're not going to get to where you want to be, right? If you really want an exciting, exotic journey with all those that are going with you, you've got to get to that next level. You've got to just have that ultimate, mm, that's what we're doing. I love it because it's true. I mean, discipline is like the same concept as like, you know, answering your phone on the weekends and, yeah. you know, good answer your phone when being someone a good loan you. officer. Yeah. That's not value. That is just your bare minimum requisite of being a good loan yes. officer, right? You like, got it. So this is basically that same concept of like, yeah, like discipline is great. Like, So you what, mean you do your job? Well, that's what people try to bring is value. And it's like, okay, so cool. Like that just means you're a good loan officer and that's it. Like that's not extra value for anybody yeah. else, right? Like that's just the bare minimum that you have to do to qualify to, you know, be, and that's not even saying you're a good loan officer. It's just to qualify that you're at least above average, right? But same thing with discipline. Like you have to almost be willing to bleed and you're not going to be willing to bleed money and time and all these things if it's just discipline. Oh, I'm just disciplined. Yeah. Because the truth is like, it's going to take more than what you think to achieve what you want to achieve to get to yeah. that million dollars. Yeah, you're right, man. It does take a lot more than just discipline. I mean, it, it's interesting because again, you know, you talk about it semantics. Is. It is a little bit of semantics, but it is true though, because like, you know, you can say discipline, 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 but like how many people work their butts off and are not Kobe Bryant, right? Like, right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, how many people like were disciplined enough to do that? Like it's a combination of things, right? It's skill. It's all of these things that have to happen. Obviously in business, we get a leg up because we don't have to be the best athlete in the world to get there. And so you do have kind of that even playing field, but it does come down to so much more than just discipline. But we Ours. don't have to be the best athlete in the world. We don't. But you right. know what? If I want to earn seven figures, right? 
using your definition, not the one I was talking about, using your definition of sales. I have to be the best salesman in the world because yeah. otherwise someone's outselling me. Someone's outselling sure. one of my loan officers, right? Again, mm -hmm. from your definition of it, which I really like, it's a beautiful definition. I think you should post that. I really do. Yeah. I think you could create some the, good stuff. Oh, have I have you? in the past. Oh, yeah, I have in the well, past. It was good. It was good. And posts. some people argue. This was like probably a year ago, a year and a half ago, though. So it's interesting, though, because, yeah, I mean, so many people, and I see people virtue signaling about, I'm not a salesperson, I'm an advisor. And it hurts my heart because, like, to me, that's just someone that's like, has such a toxic view of sales. And truthfully, they're probably not performing at the level they should be because they have a toxic view of sales. That's just, yeah. again, maybe they are, maybe they're not, but I just don't, you know, I don't believe that if you think about sales in that perspective, like that's going to be hard for you to ask for the business because you're going to educate, 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 and someone else is going to come in and they're going to get them to buy because they know how to ask. Just like you said, I want every single one of your referrals. Yeah. Every and single you have one to ask. for life. You have to ask. Yeah. How many people forget I mean, to ask? Yeah. So let's use words beyond discipline, like, you know, devotion, right? What are some other words that we could share? We could share. I mean, there's so many. I like the word passion. It's a big yeah. one for me, but there's so many things that mean that you're just all in, yeah. you're ready to go. That's something to ask yourself. Like, are you all in on your business? Like, are you yeah. all in? Are you wearing your branded gear every day? Are you like talking about it? Are you unafraid to share i mean you know think about are you unafraid to share the gospel right it's like the same yeah. thing the gospel of your own business like it is like stop allowing fear to stop you from doing the things you want faith um, over fear so. for sure 100 percent. do you ask every single person without exception for referrals i wish why, i could say i did why can't we yeah what's stopping us oh i forgot well is your passion good enough are you all in how about this word intensity right? How intense are you with growing your business? How important is it to you? Look, and none of this conversation is meant to put anyone down, but when we really think about things, what are we trying to do here? And how can we reflect ourselves and grow? Like I'm a fire guy too, but you still have to reflect and you still have to grow. You still have to take a little oh, time sure. to aim every now and then so that you can grow. Oh, for sure. I will say that the flip side of like, what's really good about the ready fire aim people is they're going to take action. But then yep. a lot of times we don't do the aim part. And so we just yep. keep going and going and going and going and forget the aim. And so for the people that are the aim first fire, you know, sorry, that are the fire first aim second, you know, then you have to come back around and all right, planning is super important, especially as you grow when you're by yourself, yeah. it's not as big of a deal, right? Like, yeah, you should, but like, as you start to grow and have a team and stuff like that, Everybody else needs clarity. And so I know we can go into a long topic. I don't want to get too deep in this because we've already gone a long time. So I do want to kind of wrap this up a little bit. Um, sure, man. I mean, again, sure, we man. could go we could go an hour and a half, but I know some people are probably listening to this. I'm just trying time. to get to the world record. You know, I'm not competitive at all, but, you know, I just want to get no, to the world record. I think, I think Tim Chermack was about an hour. So I think we're about there. So, all right, hey, like I said, you're always going to those extremes, man. Like, why do you got to do that? <laughs> I don't know, dude. I'm broken. I think is what it is. I think that's maybe I'm just is, bent. Yeah. Maybe I'm just bent. So it's something yeah. like that. I will say one thing to close off that topic real sure. quick, though. You know, in my last mindset that I talked about the aim and the fire, it's good you bring it up because whichever side you are on, and this is not to detract from anything that we talked about earlier, is it is good every now and then to really just go to the side that is out of your comfort zone. I sure. believe that our comfort zone grows when we get out of it. So the more time we spend out of it, the greater our comfort zone gets. So last piece of advice on this topic, and I know you want to wrap up, is get out of your comfort zone. Whatever it is, you can do it. There's nothing stopping us. We talked about third world country to now. What an eye-opener mm -hmm. that must be, right? And now with what you're doing with your businesses and all that, what an eye-opener that must be. 
but sure. you live in the States. Like you have this incredible opportunity. The cool thing is it's a 100% up to you. I started with nothing. I started with no capital. I grew up very poor. I started with nothing. So everyone in here has that same opportunity. It's just, are you willing to do what it takes? I want to just leave that because that's powerful. I agree, man. Are you willing to do what it takes? And I think that's a huge thing to think about. And if you're not, then it's okay. What like, are we no, doing? Like no shame in that, but like I guarantee you there's better industries to be in. Sorry, there's better industries See, to I be like in that. where you can make good money and not have to be all in like in this industry. My wife right? knew that I'd never be a white picket fence guy. She knew that. And anyone that does, I ultimately respect you. Because sure. not everyone needs to be the same. So just because I have these core beliefs doesn't mean you need to. You right. do you. Find out what's going to make you happiest. But on the same side, don't be a dreamer. Don't say you want to live this kind of lifestyle and then not be able to give the full effort. Find out what cost you're willing to absorb and go that route. And you know, if you want to be an engineer and you want to work to this time and then spend the time with your family, do that. Do what yeah. makes you happy and fulfilling. Have a great journey. Focus on your journey. Yeah, I agree. And I will say, just kind of going back to the way I started my business, like I was kind of sort of building a business that I thought I needed to build, that everybody told me that I should build. And not that they told me specifically, but they talked about, right? Like that's like, right. you just got to scale, 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 scale. It's all about scaling. And it's like, well, you know, cool. Like I'm good with that. And now that I've kind of realigned, it's like, I still want to do that. I still want to grow. I still want to scale, but like with a different intent at the core of that. And so I think, yeah, it does take going back to, you know, what you want and then achieving that. So, I mean, I think Gary V talks about that. It's like, if you're happy making $40,000 a year, like fine. But if you're going to complain about where you are in life, then again, are you willing to do what it takes yeah. to have the life that you want? Right. Like because that. again, like if you're happy making $40,000 a year, who cares? Like, yeah. who cares? Like do yeah. it, do you, man. So anyway, yeah. Like if someone wanted to find you online, connect with you, learn a little bit more about you, your branches, anything like that. Like where's a good place for them to kind of reach out or find you online? You can just find me on Facebook or Strava or one of those. I think I have an old Instagram account. I post on once in a blue moon, do a few TikToks every now and then just for fun, but you can hit me up. I'm not hard to find if you type sure. and look for me. I'm not here to really self-promote. I really want to see you guys super successful. Like that's the thing is that even if one person could hear this and it helps them make a decision. And maybe it's what you just talked about. Maybe the decision is, you know what? I'm not really happy being in this entrepreneur role. I need to go find something where I have a set schedule and set duties and I'm going to just crush that. Like, I hope that there's enough value where someone can learn from that. And Luke, I want to say one thing to you real quick. Sure. Thank you for this. I, I learned a lot. I think I owe you a baller cap. I'm going to have to turn it I over to you because you uh, taught me a lot today, man. And I really appreciate it. No, and I appreciate you coming on, man. It's been, uh, you know, I've followed you for a long time and always seen, you know, you do good work and always helping people out. So it's always been good. And obviously, you know, kind of getting to know you a little bit better in this whatever hour long episode has been fun. So for anybody who is listening, though, you know, I think my big takeaways that I've pulled out of this really like, I mean, we kind of ended with it, but like, are you willing to do what it takes? To succeed, right? I mean, putting in the work, whether it be extreme, whether it not be extreme, I think to me, it just comes down to like defining what you want and then falling in love with that journey. And then, you know, everything else will take care of itself. The concept, and I'll kind of leave with that, but the concept that I love to sort of go back to is the leading and lagging indicators, right? The leading yes. indicators are going to be the actions that you can control the lagging indicators are the things that you cannot control, right? So the leading indicators are how many calls are you making? How many texts are you sending? How many DMs are you sending? How many people are you talking on a daily basis? That is what you can control. 
What you can't control is how many sales are coming in, how many applications you get on a daily basis. Those are things you cannot really control. Like, yeah, you can kind of start to gauge, you know, based off of metrics, yada, yada, yada. But like, you can't really fully control that because that is dependent on someone else to make a decision. But what you can control is those leading indicators, which is again, going back to how hard are you willing to work? And so many times when people say, well, I'm not where I want to be. And you ask them what actions they're taking to get there. They show you why, where they are, where they are. Yeah. If that makes sense, right? Like you're like, okay, well, like, cool. Like, so how many loans do you want to be closing? I want to be closing 10 loans a month. Okay. So what are you doing on a daily basis to do that? How many DMs are you sending? How many people are you talking to? Oh, I talked to 10 real estate agents a month. You think you're going to close 10 loans a month from talking to 10 people a month? <laughs> like it's just, the numbers don't compute. So I think just sitting down and having that sort of realization with yourself is like, what is it going to take? Is it going to be a hundred calls a day? Is it going to be 200 calls a day? Is it going to be 500 calls a day? Like, what is it going to take for you to get to the goals you want? And work backwards and figure out what you need to do, right? It's not that that's hard. Your, that's your aim session. Yeah, that's, that's you're it. figuring it out. And after that, stop thinking and just go do it. Fire. Yep, 100%. So if you are interested in learning how to flip the status quo on real estate agents, go to flipthestatusquo.com and you'll learn a little bit more about how we're helping loan officers all over the country flip the status quo. I'm going to go. I'm going to check it out. Cool, man. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate you, man. Flip, it's been flip awesome. The, flip the status quo.com. Flip the status quo.com, man. Yes, sir. All right. All right. All right, my man. Thank you so much for being here. It's been awesome. And thank you for everybody for listening. Have a great day. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning into the Loans on Demand podcast on loansondemandpodcast.com. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.